Hello, my little strangelings. On this podcast, I discuss the world's folklore, myths, legends, and superstition. I explore what these stories meant to the cultures that shared them, the different uses of lore in our modern day entertainment, and the history of it all. Welcome to Folklore Friday. I'm joined today by my husband. Hello, my name is Chris Erickson. And I'm Megan Erickson. And so today we're going to be reading stories about aliens. And we just wanted to open it up a bit on aliens. Real or not? I have no idea. (laughs) I hope they are, to be honest with you. I mean, I love shows like The X-Files and stuff like that. And mostly because I like to believe that there's more out there than just what most of us encounter so i don't know i think it'd be great if there were not only aliens but you know these other things that folklore friday dives into because it's just it's just would be wonderful for there to be more and so i think that's why people want to the why part of even in the x-files it's i i want to believe and i'm i'm one of those i want to believe but i don't know for sure i can't say that i solidly believe but i want to yeah. <laughs> oh, I have to mention, so we just finished recording these stories. And as Chris was reading one of the stories, we live by an airport. And like part of my curtain is down from my window. And I saw like a plane fly by, but I couldn't see it. It's dark. I just saw the lights. And I was like, ah, that's really perfect timing. And then I saw a sphere fly up to our window. <laughs> and this little gray alien just... <laughs> Just sort of nodded at me. He didn't wink because I don't think they have eyelids, but he kind of he nodded, and I, <laughs> and I think we both knew that this was we were was doing. It? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, like you caught your transmission. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I want to say they, right? Because I'm, I'm not going to assign a gender, but <laughs> that's smart. They knew that we were doing this. <laughs> um, but yeah, going back to what Chris is saying, I do hope that they're real, and I think it's kind of very incredibly limited to think that we're the only life in the galaxy oh yeah that's so small thinking already so many uh potentially in the goldilocks area planets that means that there's they're just far enough away from a star to have the right amount of light the same kind of setup as earth to have generated life and Mm -hmm. i would say it's out there whether they visited us or not I think might be up in the air, but there is most definitely, and I'm 100% sure that there is life out in the universe somewhere, intelligent life, even. I Yes, I completely agree. When I think about it, I, I don't particularly think about it in the pop culture kind of sense. I think about it more in a Star Trek sense. Like, they are either just behind us as far as evolution or they're way ahead of us and they don't really need to interact with us because we're just not there yet that's 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 how i like to picture or interact with us in a secretive way because they're like (laughs) let's mess with these lower life forms (laughs) like how we tag animals and stuff that's Um, what we are to them that's that's not a bad theory the one theory i did hear about which was kind of exciting, is the moon Europa, which is one of the moons of something. I have to look it up. I think it's Saturn. That sounds right. I'm not sure. I'm going to go with that. So you, Europa is basically like a, 
like a water world, <laughs> but it's surrounded by this layer of ice, but inside it, it's water. And, and so there's different theories that there's marine life in this like moon and they're trying to, I don't remember exactly how it goes. I should have looked this up, but we're just spitballing here. They're trying to get some kind of test from it, but they can't directly. Yeah, Jupiter. Jupiter. Okay. Doesn't it have like nine moons or something? 79 known moons of Jupiter. 79? Yep. What? Is the sixth closest to the planet and of the all of the 79 known moons of Jupiter. It is also the sixth largest moon in the solar system. 79 moons. I can't picture that. Ugh. Sometimes if I think about space, my mind, it just, it's too much for me. But I don't know. I was really excited to tell Chris about that Europa concept. And we talked about that a while ago. And he's, how do I say, a lot more, uh, he, he's much more intelligent than me. Not that I'm dumb. He just, he's a sponge. He learns something once and he like never forgets it. It's not like a, what do you, what you might call it? Like a photographic memory, but do you remember everything? remember a decent amount of things yeah i wouldn't say everything but yeah i think stick with me for sure i have adhd so i have a limited memory and it was good when i finally like researched fully researched like adhd i was like oh this isn't my fault because <laughs> sometimes i feel like i just have dementia but i was so excited to tell you about the europa thing because chris really likes marine life like it was in our wedding vows what did you say you're like i promise to teach you every name of every shark or something like that. <laughs> Introduce you to all of these sea creatures. <laughs> I hope a whole planet of sea creatures exists. That'd be great. Yeah. And he's getting he's getting some tattoos. Your your recent one was what's this called? I know there's a type, I'll say it wrong. Uh purple stinger jellyfish, yeah. or otherwise known as a purple mauve jellyfish. And it's one of the only jellyfish with uh stinger stinging cells on its bell which is the top bubble-looking type area of it, which most jellyfish don't have stinging cells on that area. That's cool. So just picture, like, jellyfish and dolphins and big octopi and all these like, <laughs> different yeah. type of alien. I mean, they already look kind of alien, so I don't know. It's, yeah, that's I mean, one of my about. favorite movies is The Abyss. The Abyss. And that that's where they're underwater and they sort of discover these... Uh, intelligent creatures that are down there as well and so that live under the water I, I just love that concept of that idea yeah chris you used to want to be a marine biologist i did and then you found improv Ugh. <laughs> should have stuck with the marine biology <laughs> <laughs> but then you never would have met me I suppose that's true yes yeah because I saw him perform improv and I was like, oh my gosh, he's so funny. And I didn't fangirl him, mind you. I looked him up once and I found out his name. And then I like looked on his Facebook. I was like, nope, too much. I don't do that. And then I slapped my laptop down. Because that was before phones were, you know, super high tech. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. Well, yes, I do hope that there's life on another planet. As far as alien abductions, I don't know. My heart kind of goes out to these people because it sounds scary. Either you're doing it for you know, attention, or you had something kind of scary happen to you. Either way, who's yeah. to say? Decide for yourself. Listen to the stories, and then you make your own decisions about what could be true. Mm -hmm. As far as, like, aliens, 
I am not like, if I can put this out there, don't abduct me. Ghosts, I'm fine with it. Like other type of spirits, like semi had, you know, I've had a few experiences in that realm. Fine with that. Aliens, ah, I'm not your best subject. <laughs> like, mm, I'm not the best one. Don't pick me. <laughs> well, we hope you enjoy these stories. Unidentified flying objects. Are these just government experiments? Or is it possible signs of life from other planets? People that claim to be abducted by aliens. What really happened to them? Tell me, what do you think? So this first one is from the Smithsonian Magazine. And this is just a short clip from this article that there are links posted. On June 21st, Navy Seaman Harold Daw claimed to have seen six unidentified flying objects in the sky near Murray Island in Washington State's Puget Sound. The next morning, Daw said he was sought out and debriefed by men in black. That's interesting for multiple reasons. One, Men in Black isn't just the movie with Will Smith. It's an actual like alien phenomenon, meaning they usually come and visit just like the story after somebody has seen a UFO or something like that. And Puget Sound is very close to where we live currently. How far away would you say Puget Sound is? Uh, very, very close. Yeah. we. Uh, that's where my family lives. Oh, <laughs> How do I not know uh, that? Polesville, Bremerton, yeah, is on the Puget Sound. I know where his family lives. I guess I just don't know the, you know, the county, isn't it? What is the county? I almost had it. Kitsap County. I knew it was with a yeah. K. <laughs> okay. Okay, so this next story, it's just a, a brief kind of synopsis, was um, we got this from LiveScience.com. The first UFO abduction case, and to this day the most famous, was that of Barney and Betty Hill, an interracial couple who, in 1961, claimed to have been chased down and abducted by a UFO. However, since there were no other eyewitnesses to the event, and they didn't report the abduction at the time, only remembering it under hypnosis, many remain skeptical. The Hill abduction was very, very famous, and it was it had a lot of coverage on the news, and people are skeptical for many reasons, but mostly the the hypnosis. What what do you think? What's what's your opinion on? Well, that one's interesting too because they touch on it in American Horror Story in oh. one of the seasons they do for that, where they end up focusing around the an insane asylum, and um, these characters are kind of part of one of those that they believe that they had been abducted and he ends up there. But so American horror story oh. kind of touching on that same, same piece. American horror story actually pulls from a lot of sort of these history references and stuff. I'm too much of a chicken to watch American horror story. <laughs> I watched like the first, it was like a couple episodes and I was like, Oh, oh that was, I don't know. Like, I mean, 
I think it's well made. But like I've said in my intro, I'm a big baby, big baby. So it's hard for me to watch some things because it just keeps me up at night. But I think um, some say because some of the articles I read about Betty and Barney Hill, the reason that this brings up the fact that they're interracial, some people think that this was their way of kind of dealing with that, of being an interracial couple like in the 60s. It was to like... I don't remember exactly how it said, but like, oh, we were abducted by aliens, therefore we're special and or something like that. It was a way to normalize their relationship. And in a, in a weird psychological way, I can see that. I don't know what that would be like in the 60s, but I'm sure it wasn't easy. And I'm sure some people have issues with it now, which is not good. Oh, love is love. And I'm sure it was not easy in the 60s. So more power to them. Okay, so these next little snippets are from thoughtcatalog.com and I'm going to screw this up this name but I think it's Allegesh Alien Abductions so I'm going to read that one In 1976 four friends in their early 20s went camping in rural Maine On the second night they noticed a very bright light but nothing more On the third night they decided to try night fishing. While in their canoe, they noticed the bright light again. One of the men used a flashlight to light an SOS pattern at the light. The light then expanded and enveloped all four men. That was the last thing they remembered. They woke up back at their campsite with no recollection of what had ended up happening the night before or how they got off the water. The fire they stoked up before they left just minutes ago, intending it to still be burning when they returned, was completely burnt down to embers. Jack Weiner was the first to start having nightmares. In these dreams, he saw beings with long necks and large heads. He saw the beings examining him while Jim, Chuck, and Charlie sat on a nearby bench, not able to intervene. The beings had large metallic glowing eyes with no lids, and their hands were insect-like with four fingers. The other three men were experiencing very similar dreams with short mental clips of that night on the lake. In 1988, out of curiosity, Jim Weiner attended a UFO conference hosted by Raymond Fowler. Weiner met Fowler afterwards and related his strange encounter. The investigator was excited about Jim's story, especially the fact that it was a multiple witness occurrence. Fowler suggested to Jim that he and the others undergo regressive hypnosis. After the sessions, it was revealed that all four of the men had memories of being abducted and subjected to humiliating physical examinations, including the taking of skin and fluid samples. The description of the aliens was consistent. The four men, being artists, were able to make detailed sketches of the entities, the craft, and the examining instruments. Chuck Rack added that the alien's test area was similar to a vet's office with a silvery table. He also related a strange fact. He had much difficulty in focusing on the aliens. 
when he tried, he could not put an exact image to them. He compared it to trying to tune in a fuzzy radio station. After the psychiatric examinations, all four of the men were deemed to be mentally stable, and they all passed lie detector tests. So, that's interesting because it's four people. Now, the lie detector test is interesting because in order to pass one, you kind of have to, like, prep for it. And I don't know if these four guys were like, hey, let's practice. So, I don't know. I When it comes to alien abductions, I can't really say, like, what is real and what is not. I'm just glad I've never had an experience like that. I don't know. What about you? Yeah, I wonder if they had the same hypnotist take them under. It would have been interesting if different hypnotists would have done it without... Uh, correlating with each other to yes. see if they came up with similar stories or if a, because sometimes that's the case, right? A hypnotist is putting stuff into uh, people's minds that give influencing their thoughts and memories. And that's why they can't rely on those types of things a lot of times. Because if it's one guy and he's just like putting in these kind of seated memories. Yeah, suggestive type things. Yeah. You know, we should talk Leading to them down paths. Our, hypno- our hypnotist friend. About his opinion on this. So (laughs) what's your take on this? Because it would be interesting to hear an expert's opinion on that. So this next story is just set with the precursor of forestry worker goes MIA for five days. Where was he? Travis Walton was one of seven men working in a forestry team in Snowflake, Arizona. When heading home from work one night, the team spied a blindingly bright light. Thinking it was a crashed plane, they drove over to the craft. What they saw, however, did not look like any plane. Walton jumped out of the truck to get closer to the craft. Suddenly, a bright light shot from the UFO and sent Walton floating into the UFO. The remaining six crew members panicked and drove away from the site around 7.30 p.m. One of the crew members called the police. Deputy Sheriff Chuck Ellison answered the telephone. The crew member initially reported only that one of the logging crew was missing. Ellison then met the crew at a shopping center. They related the tale to him and all the men distraught two of them in tears. And though he was somewhat skeptical of the fantastic account, Ellison would later reflect that if they were acting, they were awfully good at it. After an initial scan of the area showed no evidence of an UFO, the police began to suspect that the men were using the story to cover up the fact that they simply murdered Walton. However, over the next few days, all six loggers were subjected to intense interrogations and polygraphs, and their stories seemed to hold up. That's when Walton suddenly reappeared. Thinking he had only been gone a few hours, Walton retold parts of the story he could. He said he was interrogated by three creatures with bald heads and huge eyes. He apparently encountered many different creatures on the craft who performed experiments on him. Many people were skeptical of the story, but Walton and all other loggers maintain their stories.
Okay, I almost had, <laughs> I'd forgotten about this one. I almost had, I had to stop myself from laughing because, okay, let's say that they did kill that guy. I mean, you couldn't think of a better story than like, oh, he was abducted by an alien. <laughs> like, like that's the only part I was like, what? That's the worst cover-up story ever. Yeah, maybe they, <laughs> they thought it, the police thought that, that that was the best thing that those guys could come up with, I guess. <laughs> That would be, that would be a movie I would watch. Um, Something I was thinking about polygraph tests is if someone believes that that's their truth, that that happened to them, it won't show up as a lie. Isn't that right? Right. Yeah. If they believe it to be true, then it's true on the polygraph test for sure. Like if someone has a mental illness and they're like, I'm Abraham Lincoln, it would show up as like. I mean, what a polygraph is showing is you having the stressors of lying because certainly people start to feel bad about lying. So little things start to come out because the truth will flow out of you much easier. But if you're trying to change your story or tweak something or hold something back, all those little tall tale signs, you know, uh, increase in heartbeat and, you know, stress, these stressors that start to, the polygraph starts to pick up on. And that's what it's reading. Yeah. And that's why they ask you these things at the beginning of a polygraph to get your baseline? Your baseline truths. And so they work off of those as well, which are different for different people of how mm-hmm. they're they're telling the truth. And sometimes polygraphs don't work when people are really stressed out to begin with. And so they're just like, none it's of, all over the yeah, place. Yeah. And they're just mm-hmm. like, none of that worked and we can't use any of it. Interesting. And isn't it true that like, you can't really use it as much as like Hollywood shows, like in court cases, like, oh, he passed the polygraph. I'm like, that doesn't really actually yeah, matter. It often gets thrown in as like a this sort of circumstantial evidence of like, well, you know, we have this to show, and then you just sort of take it as a if you believe it or not. It's not, uh-huh. it's not set and it's not as like clean cut as finding their DNA in the crime scene or something. Right. It's just kind of and like eyewitness account kind of a feel to it. It's like you believe for the most part what those people said, but you don't know if it's entirely true. Right. And that's how a polygraph is as well. Mm. Interesting. Okay. This next one is called the Gundai McKay alien abduction. In a chilling story that three different people were involved in, a 22-year-old named Amy was abducted right out the window of her lounge room by some sort of flying craft. Amy's husband, Keith, had already gone to bed, while her friend Petra stayed up to read in another room. Petra was abruptly disturbed by a blinding light coming from the lounge. Disrupted. What did I say? Disturbed. (laughs) I should get closer. Okay. Petra was abruptly disrupted by a blinding light coming from the lounge room. I'm assuming that's a living room. And the sound of shattering glass. The rectangular beam of light was shining into the room, and according to Petra, she saw Amy being pulled out of the window by light still apparently sleeping. Heavy sleeper. Keith then woke up, and both he and Petra searched the house and surrounding area for Amy, who was nowhere to be seen. Keith eventually called the police. Amy eventually turned up miles away with strange marks on her inner thigh and bizarrely extensive body hair growth. 
that I've never heard before until I read this story. <laughs> I think that's why I picked it because I was like, what? <laughs> that's weird. Yeah, she's probably taken by Sasquatch. It's <laughs> trying to turn her into one of them. <laughs> he needs a female. <laughs> yeah. And then the experiment didn't work out, so he just left, left her there in the woods. He's like, it only partially grew. Ah, she's like, ah, damn it. When is this going to finally kick in for someone? She's still too... I can still see too much skin. You covered up. <laughs> okay. This one's fun. I left this one for you. All right. This one is set with a precursor. Russian millionaire politician taken by aliens. So this name I'm going to brutalize. It's Kursan Ilumshinov. The former president of the only Buddhist political state avidly claims that he was once kidnapped by creatures not of this world. He says they abducted him off his apartment balcony and took him to their spaceship. Yeah, yeah, I was taken from my apartment in Moscow to this spaceship. Or should I do it? Oh, like, yes, please. Oh, please. Let's see. We've got the vodka. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was taken from my apartment in Moscow to this spaceship, and we went to some star. After that, I asked, please bring me back. Because the next day I should have been back in Kalmykia. They said, oh no problem, Kirsan, you have time. <laughs> when pressed for details of the aliens themselves, Ilumshinov says, they are people like us. They have the same mind, the same vision. I talked with them. I understand that we are not alone in the whole world. We are not unique. The ship was absolutely enormous. One of its chambers was the size of a large football pitch. We landed on one of the planets and I picked up some piece of equipment. They told me everything in detail. Allegedly, while Ilushinov was abducted, his staff came looking for him and was unable to locate him until he inexplicably appeared in his suite hours later. That was so great. Okay, what you can't see is when Chris gets into that character because he is an entertainer and performer by profession, his eyebrows go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you have certain, I, because I've seen you in so many improvised shows, you have certain like characteristics that you adopt. <laughs> That's the first time I noticed it because you're right next to me. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, you know, those expressive Russian eyebrows. <laughs> And when you do the German accent, you have incredible posture. Like you, you put your shoulders back just like exaggeratedly. <laughs> but and that's how and when you do it, I'm like, yes, here comes the German guy. <laughs> like, do your kick phrase, will you, for the, the German one? For the papers. Yeah, the German one, uh my key phrase for getting into it is where are your papers? <laughs> <laughs> and usually you name yourself. Klaus. <laughs> yes, hello, my name is Klaus. Where are your papers? <laughs> so good. I love it so much. I love that. Thank you. I've been working on some accents, but I'm not ready to do it in this episode because it takes me a while to get in and a while to get out <laughs> of the accent. Okay, so these next stories I got from Reddit. 
which I've heard people read from podcasts. And I, this is the first time I've got on Reddit. And now I'm kind of addicted. I'm on too many different like groups, but it's fun. Okay. So the title of this is first time typing out this experience. So I've always been fascinated by the thought of aliens and UFOs since childhood, but I don't remember what brought upon this interest. I want to say not just interest, but dang irrational fear of aliens. We're on the shallow end. Yeah, I'll look up alien encounters and firsthand stories. But if I ever had to see a gray flash on TV or in a book, I get unreasonably shook and scared to even think about aliens for days. <sighs> I don't know exactly where it came from, but there were a few disturbing dreams I had while in high school. One time in particular, I shared a room with my sister who was about six or seven at the time. I had a mattress box spring combo on the floor and she had like a little kid-sized bed next to me. I'm 23 now and I still remember the dream. But I know it was a dream since the other furniture was wrong. Like everything was shifted and not exactly right. What's crazy is what happened after I woke up. In the dream, I was watching some concert I had on DVD, which is, you know, pretty normal for me. I then look outside my window, and it's almost comical how close this silent orb is. Like, orb, ship type thing was to my house. It had green, yellow lights in the center kind of hovering, but like rotating at the same time. The second I notice it though, I'm instantly in fear and not sitting on my bed anymore, but on the floor, wrapped in blankets, being pulled slowly toward the window, facing away from it. I, I can't speak from shock, but I can see my mom in her room through the hallway and she's just totally normal, just sitting on her bed, reading a book, and then she looks up at me and sees me, and I mouth the word, Mama, with all my might. I call out to her and she looks at me, and that's, that's when I wake up. I was actually awoken by something. Like as if someone kicked the edge of my mattress to wake me up, which is a common way my stepdad would wake me up because, you know, he sucked. But it was a hard kick. I thought it must have been morning with such a forceful kick like that. But it was still nighttime. We slept with the nightlight and that was, you know, strong. So our, our room was always lit in this kind of orange light. But I was scared enough from the dream and I look over at my sister who's, <laughs> she's out. She's completely out. But then her body starts to levitate from her little bed. She must have gotten about a foot in the air and I didn't know what to do because I was so, so shocked. So I kicked her bed and then, and then she fell back in her bed, still asleep. I, I was still so shook. I pulled my covers over my head and I prayed so hard that I would go back to sleep until morning. I've never caught anyone being levitated not since then. 
but I've had some other pretty strange paranormal happenings in my teen years. Part of me, a part of me wishes something like this would happen again for proof, but I know I would be totally petrified all over again. Let me know what you guys think about this story and I'm open if anyone has any answers to my questions. That just sounds like a crazy dream, but but I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't there. Sounds like it shook her up a bit. Yeah, shook. Yeah, shook is a <laughs> pretty prominent uh, word in that story. Yeah, she said shook quite a bit. It was kind of hard to read. She got very shook. <laughs> Things got shookened up. <laughs> Editor's note here. I actually went back and I reread this story because she in in you know how it was written she said the word shook so much that it was kind of it was a hard read to get through so i went back and i re-recorded it and so that's why chris and i talk about the word shook quite a bit all right this and the next few ones these are these are all from reddit this one was posted by tommy gunn was i abducted Okay, so I've only told one person about this ever for fear of ridicule. I'm sure if anyone can understand that, it's the people on here. When I was about 10 years old, I woke up to a bright flash in the middle of the night covered in sweat with a small football-shaped wound on the inside of my right forearm. By the time I came out of an extra heavy sleep fog, I realized that whatever I was covered in was not sweat. It was more viscous, but not sticky. I, I just tried to ignore the whole thing. I was 10 and had no reason to be afraid or curious. I, all I cared about was baseball. Several people, including my parents and baseball coach, asked me about the scabbed over wound, but I just said I didn't know where it came from or how I got it. True statement. I was a rambunctious 10-year-old boy who ran around with my buddies all summer, so injuries, cuts, bruises, etc. were not uncommon. Eventually it healed, and I tried to ignore what had happened. I didn't think it was anything bad, I just couldn't explain it. I've been interested in UFOs and the truth about them since I was young, but I can't say that this event triggered my interest per se. Only other thing that made me question it is from childhood to this day, I cannot look at a gray. Whether it's on TV, in a book, magazine, or online, whenever I'm watching Ancient Aliens or Hangar One or whatever, if a gray pops up on the screen, I instantly have to look away and I'm overwhelmed with a fear I cannot explain. Keep in mind, I'm the type of guy who isn't afraid of anything or anyone. I'm not the type of guy who has ever raised his voice at any lady, especially my wife of 13 years. She knows about my fear, but not the experience I had as a child. She just thinks it's a weird phobia, 
like being afraid of snakes or spiders. <laughs> Hell, maybe it is. Doesn't seem like it though. The other night, an artist's impression of a gray popped up on some paranormal show she was watching and it didn't bother me at all. She was like, oh, wow, I just realized you didn't freak out. Good job. Before I even realized what I had said, I blurted out because that's not what they look like. She starts rifling through image search on her phone and finds one. She holds it up to my face and says, what about this one? I immediately jerk my head away and put my hand up to shield my eyes like a goddamn kid. And I felt like such a weirdo. She believes in spirits and ghosts, but is on the fence about aliens. She kept trying to get me to look at it, saying that exposure therapy might do me some good. And this is where I yelled at her for the first time ever. Get that thing out of my face. I don't want to look at it anymore. People, this scared me as much as it scared her. I think she finally realized, even though we never said another word about it, that I did apologize for yelling at her, and, but she said it was partially her fault for pushing me. That was the end of the conversation. We're very good at communicating and have no secrets. Well, almost, I guess. So I don't know what I'm asking for here. Does anyone? with experience have a theory has anyone ever had or heard of someone having an uncontrollable fear of greys any thoughts on the experience i had thanks in advance that kind of sucks like i read that one i felt truly bad for that guy yeah just some weird irrational fear about it yeah he like, believes from some scab that he got abducted and dug into or something yeah like either way this is a grown man who gets <laughs> shook <laughs> borrow that word like that would be scary as i mean because as much as i want to be like oh that didn't happen i don't know i don't know what happened to these people in the Especially looking back and I told you how I was comparing like fairy people that were taken by fairies, fairy struck people, and then people that claim to be abducted by aliens. Some of some of the there's a lot of similarities, losing time, finding marks on your body. And my favorite one is if you think of like a tractor beam, beam of light, somebody just being taken up and levitated. The same way if you think about Peter Pan and pixie dust, mm -hmm. people would claim that that's how the fairies took them away. And Peter Pan is such a perfect example, except Disney and, you know, the book Peter Pan made it like, oh, isn't this great? But there were people that thought that this was happening to their children, mostly. And there was fairy doctors. So I don't know. And there was never fairies. It was always aliens. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Every time. <laughs> so <laughs> like I don't know. Maybe, maybe. The oh. Aliens exist. I have no clear evidence. I've never been abducted, and uh, I've never ended up with a huge gaping hole in my arm for yeah. no reason. <laughs> I know. I I find this interesting, but 
However, whatever's happening to these people, I am glad it's not me because how scary would that be to have something happen to you that you couldn't explain and that you would be afraid that people would think you're crazy? And I don't know. There is something fascinating about it psychologically because if people in the past were experiencing this and it's, you know, you're programmed by your society to to be primed for these experiences. So say a couple hundred years ago, people would think like, oh, this is fairies. But now people would think, oh, it's aliens because that's what's being circulated. So I don't know. Is it just like, is it just common for people to, to crave these types of experiences so that they feel Yeah, I don't know. Unique? Maybe it's all just people having bad dreams and trying to rationalize, rationalize it and think that maybe it was real. Or maybe it's all true. <laughs> That's scary. I laugh because it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> like, <laughs> that I'm not making fun of it. I'm like, ah, ha ha. I don't know. That, that's kind of interesting. Okay. This is the last thing I think Chris and I are going to talk about the short episode. We watched this movie called Horse Girl on Netflix. Do you remember that? It was like she was, she thought she was being taken by aliens. And it like, it jumped. So there was like, um, she wore this like peach suit and she showed up naked in her like craft store that she worked in. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. I remember a little bit of that. Yeah. It was so like, it was well-made, but Chris and I both felt like, Oh, when it was over, like that was awful. Like It was well-made, but it's like, Oh, if that's true, if she really was abducted, that sucks because yeah, just her awful, awful experience with it. Yeah. Yeah. Her, sure. her life was just like ruined. And there was, there was just this one like kind of dream sequence where we couldn't figure out, whether it was portraying her dreaming or portraying like a real experience it was a little i think it was meant to be confusing but i felt real uncomfortable about it in her weird peach ninja ninja suit and then there's this strange sex scene and i was like oh, i'm not into this i'm not into it <laughs> but if you're craving like a classic like i don't know alien abduction story watch that she did good though yeah. that and fire in the sky Check out Fire in the Sky. That's a classic. Could I handle it? Yeah. Okay. It's a little creepy, but (laughs) it's based on a true story as well. Oh, man. Well, well, I hope you enjoyed our alien stories. We're hoping to bring you some more dramatized things in the future. This was... This was what I could find legally where I could read it (laughs) on the podcast. But our next dramatic reading will be on the Fae Folk. So get ready for some Irish and Scottish accents I've been practicing. And so we'll see you then. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Bye.